Welcome to LifePoint Church's podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are inspired by this message. Let's turn over to the book of Luke in chapter 17. We're going to get there, the gospel of Luke, an incredible Dr. Luke, and how he writes and unpacks things for us. We are in Thanksgiving week, and I'm always perplexed. I talk about this every year. I'm perplexed by the people who don't believe in God that celebrate Thanksgiving. That's weird to me, because exactly who are you thanking? Right? You know, my, my wife is very kind to me. She feeds me. She makes dinner for me. And so I say, thank you. But if the food just showed up, would I say thank you? All right? And so who are, who are people thanking? So there's, there's something that doesn't connect for me. So we understand as people who are here today, and regardless of how deep your personal faith in Jesus Christ is today, I pray that it will be deepened. But something that will be deepened also is our understanding that it is him that we ought to be thankful for, right? He is great. He alone is good. He is the one who has turned our lives around, that he has saved us, that there is salvation under no other name than the name of Jesus. Anybody excited about the name of Jesus and what's happening and how God is changing lives. He is meeting people's needs and it's beautiful. But I want you to try on some thankfulness today. We're going we're gonna to journey from thanklessness to thankfulness. And you might be saying, oh, I'm very thankful. Well, we want to we live in that. It's not just a moment. It's not just a day of Thanksgiving or a moment of Thanksgiving or a week of Thanksgiving. It is a life of Thanksgiving. The Bible talks about bringing a sacrifice of praise, but it also talks about bringing the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Yes, it's, it's purpose. And so we know that in everything we should give thanks to God. He holds this all together. It's beautiful. We are alive. We are well. We are breathing. And I get it. Some of you have had a, a tough couple of years. You know, it's okay. He's still in control. He still knows what's going on. He's not packed up. He's not on vacation. He's not blocking your call. He's not screening your text. He hasn't left you on red. You know what I mean? Some of you have friends like that. He left me on red. I can't believe that. You're like knocking on his door. Don't you ever do that to me, right? But in everything that we would give thanks, that he is understanding about where we're at. Now, Luke chapter 17, um, Jesus is in full ministry mode. There's been miracles. There's been teaching. He's unpacked parables to help the disciples and other people understand and maybe even confuse some people. But uh, I don't want to focus on this first part. The first part talks a lot about thanksgiving, and I mean forgiveness and faith. The second part, we want to talk about this story of 10 people who were healed physically. But there was a healing that happened to one that went beyond his physical problems. And this is where I want to get to today because there's a lot of hurting people in our world right now. Over and over again throughout the week, we are fielding, I mean, literally calls and emails and messages on social media saying, I'm done. I quit. I can't handle this. I'm stressed to the max. The anxiety is off the charts. The pressure is too much. I'm done. I mean, this is like all week long we're feeling these. And I just want to let you know, you don't have to live like that. That's not God's plan for you to be depressed and for anxiety to be rolling up on top of you. That is not his plan for you. His plan is to, for you to live in freedom and hope and strength and know that he is guiding you, that he is directing you, that his hand is upon you and you can live in health and that he is going to be with you always. That is the great promise that we have. But this story of these 10 healed lepers, leprosy. It's not a dead disease. It's actually still out in the world. It's a horrible disease where boils come up on your flesh and eventually your, your appendages will begin to rot off. It's a horrible, horrible disease. And it's still out there. People like Mother Teresa gave their lives to help lepers. I mean, that is a real story of compassion. 
Most of us would do like what they did there. Just get away from us. They would actually push the lepers outside of the city, make them wear a bell in some cases. So if you heard the bell coming, you would be like, run the other way because I don't want to get leprosy, right? Oh, you get it. Nobody wants to get that. But what a, what a marginalization of people that happened. An injustice to people. And we've seen a little bit of that recently with some of the stuff that's come upon us with this pandemic. Let's pick up in verse 11. Let's see what Jesus did and how he ministered to the people that others wanted out of their face. Verse 11 says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. I like that Jesus was on the go a lot. Now, some of you are homebodies. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not always talking about just like going places and a busybody. I'm not talking about that. But it, active in ministry. Some of you are very active in ministry on social media. You don't leave the house much, but you're very active in sharing your faith. You're very active in calling people and ministering to people. And by the way, don't forget how important it is to reach out to each other. You don't know. I mean, I, I tell you this all the time, but if God puts somebody's face in your mind, that's your cue. What you do with it is really everything for them. Because my guess is that God has put their face in your mind for a reason. And if you will call, if you will text, if you will email, if you will just do something with that to let them know, it's not going to push them down. It's going to lift them up. It's going to edify them. It's going to help build them and strengthen them. Jesus was on the go a lot. He was always missions-minded. He was there. So if you're here today and you're not missions-minded and you don't want to tell people about Jesus and you don't want to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, this probably isn't the church for you. It probably isn't. Because I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you past your comfort zone. I'm going to tell you each one, bring one, right? So I'm pushing you to grab somebody and say, hey, would you come to church with me? And some of you are like, oh, man, I don't know. My, my introverted self, it will just get weird. I'm say, yeah, it might get weird. It's going to get really weird when they say, why didn't you invite me? Why didn't you invite me? So we've got to do that. I'm going to push you. But this isn't just about being on a mission trip. This is about a mission's life. This is about a mission sharing, a lifetime of compassion and reaching out. And there is work to be done here, and there's work to be done there, and there's work to be done here. There's plenty of work to do. There's no shortage of opportunity to share the love of Jesus. And so here's what happens in verse 12. It says that he entered a village, 10 lepers, stood at a distance. They're out there. Like, don't, don't come near me. I don't, I don't want that. I was in the airport the other day in Atlanta. I was flying and forget about politics for a second. I don't want to hear cheering or anything like that. I'm just, just telling you the story. Uh, I, I, I didn't have a mask on and I was one of very few people who didn't have a mask on. And this lady like said something to me about not wearing a mask. And I, I said to her, like, I don't, I can't, I can't give you what I don't have. If you ask me for $100,000, I couldn't give it to you, right? I can't give you this disease that I don't have, right? And this is what these people, but these people were actually plagued with something. They were actually hurt by this disease, and people were scared of them. And society had deemed it a law, and law required that they would actually be away from others to keep it contained. We do the same thing. We have done the same thing in this last whole period of time, two years, whatever it is. But the truth is, a lot of people in this season have locked themselves away. And I'm not even talking about COVID-19. I'm just talking about that's what we like to do sometimes. So somebody offended me. What do I do? I leave. I isolate. Oh, nobody, I, I pick on this a lot. Nobody shook my hand. I'm going to quit coming. 
We have people sometimes that stay away from this church. They'll, they'll be gone for three weeks, and they'll say, I was gone for three weeks, and nobody reached out to me. I just wanted to test you. So, I say right back to them, I was testing you too. So <laughs> you failed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, let's reach out to each other. I'm sorry if I haven't called you this week. I wish I could call everybody, you know, here, you know, the thousand plus people that come throughout the week. I just can't, but doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean that I'm not praying for you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have your back. He's taking care. But if we will work together in this thing and reach out and help carry that load of ministering to each other, it's, it's beautiful because the truth is so many people are isolated. They've isolated themselves and the devil feasts on this. He can't wait to get you guys alone so he can chew you up. He's chewing people up. That's why we're having to field these phone calls every day. Every day. Like, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. There's so much. I don't know. My, my family, I'm tired of them. I don't want to see it. And this is the stuff that we're dealing with, but it doesn't. Again, it doesn't have to be this way. But the enemy uses this isolation. He uses this time away to break people down. Not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. And that's where we're at. It's like a whole, not a, a society, not a community, not a city. This is a whole world of people living like that right now. A whole world of people right now. Well, there is one who cares, and his name is Jesus, right? Verse, give it up for him. Verse 13 says this, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. The crying out part is intense. Why? Because it didn't say, oh, they went over there. They didn't fill out a prayer request and send it over to Jesus. They cried out. This is a place of deep, deep desperation. Society had already booted them out. The doctors had already given their, their condition. They said, this is what it is. The prognosis is not, it's not good. Just go over there and essentially die. Fade away. That's it. And so now they're like, there's nothing left. There's nothing left but to cry out to God. Now, unfortunately, this is the last place that a lot of people go. They'll go to the doctor. They'll go to the bank. They'll go to their friends. They'll go to Facebook. They'll go to anywhere they can to get help, but they won't cry out to Jesus. But fortunately, we always can go to him. So sometimes it takes that place of people try this and try that, and they've really tried, exhausted all of the resources, all of the network, everything, and they get to a place where this is it. God, help me. Would you help? And he says, I've been waiting on you to ask. I've been waiting on you to ask. See, pain is so intense. People will go through extraordinary links in their life to take away pain. They'll take drugs, alcohol, sex, all kinds of weird relationships. They will use violence. They will do all kinds of crazy things to try to numb the pain in their life. But pain does something. Pain does something. This is pain either, it is two things. It either produces hopelessness or hope. I'm, my guess is that it, it, just a few days before this, before these people had got wind, that there was a man named Jesus who was going around and touching people's lives, and were, they were being changed, and they were being healed, and they were being transformed by the power from this man who calls himself the Son of God. They didn't know, but they, the doctors are gone now. The people are gone. The family's gone, so there's not, they are hopeless. But now, all of a sudden, this pain has produced something in them, and it was a hope. It was a hope. 
That's why they weren't afraid to cry out. They weren't afraid to go like, hey, Jesus, help me. They weren't afraid of it. They didn't care who was looking at them. They didn't care what people thought about them. Or they, were, they were undignified in their crying out, have mercy on us. And so many times our pride is so big that it prevents us from just saying, God, have mercy on me. Would you help me with this? The, the, the point that you get to where you are crying out for mercy, that you see people on our knees in here sometimes is because they are crying out for mercy. Yeah, that is an amazing, amazing place to be. It's not a bad place. It's the right place to be. It's, it should be the posture of our heart and our attitude that we would come to God and say, you're the only one that can do this. Because the fact is, he's the only one that can do this. And I'm talking about this and this and this. And the fact that you can even breathe and walk and talk and have a job and drive and do anything, it's because of him. <laughs> Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6. You guys know it well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. When you make this shift, this isn't just about, this is for people who understand this. They understand that, that I should have a thankful heart, that it doesn't matter what comes my way, that it's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for God to shine. There might be a little tension here. God's going to do something with it. It's producing something in tribulation, work of patience, and patience, hope, and, and, and all this experience that comes our way. There's something growing inside of us. And we love it. But we take our thanksgiving, we take all the anxiety, we give it all to him. And we present our request to God. God, did you know? And he said, I did. <laughs> do you know that I'm having a rough week? I did. I did. Just give it to me. There's hope with Jesus. Anything that you can do would be great if we just put him inside of it. Anything. Sometimes we think we can come up with the best stuff. But it's, it's, it's not just a word of encouragement that we live with. He, Jesus could have told them a lot of things. He could have said, hey, step back. Hey, be quiet. I don't, I don't need it. He didn't say any of that, right? He could have ignored them, which a lot of people in our society do. We ignore people who are hurting. We ignore people who've been marginalized by society. It's like if we don't make eye contact with them, then I don't have to serve them. Is that what we're doing now? Is that the place that we're, we're living in now? That we will walk past all the hurting, hungry people and just, if we don't look at them, we don't have to give them anything. But they lie and we tell them we don't have any cash. And we don't really want to stop. But Jesus did. He understood. It says in verse 14 that he looked at them and said, huh. You understand how powerful looking at somebody is? I spend a lot of my time telling people to look me in the eye. Their, their attitude, their self-confidence, everything is just beaten down by the enemies. He's dragged them down in the pit. They're ashamed of, of decisions they've made in their life. They're ashamed of the position that they're in. They're ashamed that they're having to ask for help. They're ashamed that they're having to cry out when I say, man, this is the best place that you can be right now. That you're crying out, I'm not your help, Right? You need to look to the hills where your help comes from. It comes from the Lord. But, but one thing, if you gotta, if you got to look to the hills, what do you got to do? you got to look. you got to pick your chin up. you got to look. And so I've been telling people, hey, look at me. Look at me in my eyes. 
And sometimes it's actually a chore. I have to say, hey, pick up your chin and look me in the eyes. Hey, God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you, and it is not for you to feel this way. You need to experience a touch from the Holy Spirit, and he will transform you. But looking at someone is powerful. Know this, that God is looking at you right now. That doesn't have to be weighty. The eyes of the Lord are searching the earth, looking for a heart that's completely his. The eyes of the Lord are looking around the earth right now. They're literally looking around the earth, looking for a heart that's going, God, it's yours. It's yours. He's looking at you. This is what he says to him. Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. God expects movement out of you. Going isn't only physical. <laughs> In fact, Maybe, maybe at this, it was partly physical, but there's, there's something that happens here. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. God is about action. He's about motion. He's about movement. He's about transformation. He's about moving you from a place. God wants to move you from where you currently are, right, to the place that you actually belong. If you're feeling weighty, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling beat up, if you're feeling physically sick, mentally sick, financially sick, anything, God wants to move you from that place to the place where you belong. Certainly spiritually, you are not meant to live in captivity. You are not meant to be ostracized, isolated by the enemy, being beat up by the enemy. God wants to move you from that place into the place of belonging. It's a place of hope. It moves you from hopelessness to hope. That's what God wants to take you to. Now, I get it. The devil's got you isolated. He's beating up on you. And, and some of you think like he's got you. He only has you if you let him have you. That's it. So maybe some of you just need to ante up and kick in today and understand that God is here and that you will begin to move in faith. Faith, right? Because what happens? He didn't say, you're healed, go. That's not what he said. What does he say? He said, go and show yourselves to the priests and as they went, some of you are just sitting on your spiritual couch, not doing anything. You haven't moved at anything. You aren't expecting anything. You're not expecting God to do anything. Your, your life is, is just empty of hope and expectation and wonder, and, and God has something for you. But sometimes you got to get up off your spiritual couch and go. And as you go, God begins to open doors that you can't open. You can't kick in. You start experiencing things you never thought you could experience. I thought, I thought all of this I was just going to deal with forever. The Lord, the Lord said, no, you're not going to deal with it. The doctor might have said, no, you're going to have this forever. This is why the doctors talk about pain management and why God talks about healing. That's different. We talk about healing in this place. We don't talk about pain management. If you come see me, I'm not going to say you need to learn to live with this pain. I'm going to say I'm going to pray for you, and I'm expect that God's going to blow your mind with what he does. That's what I'm doing. That we begin to move in faith, that we begin to step into the expectation and the place and the movement to where God wants you to be. 
the, the society had said, they had deemed Levitical law in chapter 13, he said that if, if, if something happened miraculous like this, that they were going to have to go back to the priest and show themselves because the priest had already said, you're dirty, you have leprosy, you have to get outside, you have to be isolated, go out there and die, don't give this to anybody else. But Jesus understood something about these people. He understood that your best work should involve people and not things. So Jesus wasn't about, he wasn't on vacation. He wasn't like, let me go over here and get another photo op over, opportunity. He understood that these very sick people had value. They had incredible value and that they needed to be touched. And so as they were going back to the priests, nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. There was no Thanksgiving week to gather around. Before we get to the turkey, everybody say something you're thankful for. There was no moment like this. But certainly as they went, they were cleansed. They were touched. Because they trusted Jesus. They had moved in faith, and now they had seen the evidence of this disease just totally disappear. This is faith that we need to move with. Remember that God is powerful. I think some of you, you just forget that. You can only see in your situation. Your situation seems so big to you, right? But to him, it's minuscule. It's nothing. It doesn't take him anything to just snap your, yourself out of your situation. I pray that some of you will find that confidence and courage today to, to step out and begin to move with him. Jesus was available to help. I pray that you're available to help today. But here's what happens. Verse 15 says, one of them. When he saw that he was healed, remember he already left. Jesus sent him away and they went away and as they went, they were cleansed, right? One of them saw that he was healed and came back to Jesus shouting. When you experience a healing touch from God, <laughs> you will shout, right? I'm talking about when you have experienced God at a deep level, your praise can't be contained. And sometimes I, I know people get like super excited out here. I'm one of the guys that gets super excited because I know what the Lord has done inside of my life. And I don't care what you think about my praise. I'm not praising you. I'm not singing to you. So I'll sing loud and I'll sing off key sometimes, but it's not for you. Make no mistake about it. And these people that jump up and down and that hit their knees and come up here for prayer every single week, they're doing it for the Lord. They're not doing it for you. So praise God with a loud voice. Praise God for what he has done. Verse 16, he fell to the ground at, at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. One out of ten. One out of ten. Don't be the nine. Don't be one of the nine, church. Don't let this, again, be a, a week or a day of Thanksgiving. Don't do that. My goodness. As you eat tons of food this week and next week and the week after that, <laughs> just begin to shift your heart into a life of Thanksgiving, but... More than the physical things, right? All the, all the things that you've experienced in life, some of you, the, the pain that we've been talking about is real. We've talked about it last week. And that this pain either produces hopelessness or hope. Some of you are at the point where you're just like, today you're going to move. You're going to move to a place of hope today. That's the place that you belong. But here's what this guy experienced. He was a Samaritan, the Bible tells us, which is 
Uh, they were in conflict with the Jews. They weren't friendly with each other. There was some racial tension there. But this is what he experienced. He realized something. He realized something. He realized that hope had come alive inside of him. Like real hope. That's why he came back. And real hope, realized hope, produces change in you. It changes something inside of you when you experience it, when you realize it, when it has come upon you, hope comes alive, it changes you. That's why I'm, I'm having to tell people to pick up your chin, look me in the eye, God's got you, he cares for you, he loves you, he's got a plan, a purpose, over and over again. And sometimes it catches and you can see the moment. You can sit, see the moment. If you get them to look in your eye, you can see the moment when, when they actually go like, I remember. I remember because there's a captured moment where I get with, get alone with people and I'm forget about this, forget about this, and I spend about 45 minutes getting them to forget all this stuff and get to the point that God sees you. He's looking at you right at this moment. And when you realize hope, it produces something. It produces change. A change in attitude, a change in heart, a change in behavior, a change in how you thank God, how you live with thanksgiving. And sometimes it drives you to your knees, and sometimes it, you put your hands up in the air, and sometimes you just walk around singing. And the people that haven't realized this go, what are you so happy about? Whew. <laughs> Start singing songs. I sing because I'm happy. Right? <laughs> right? I sing because I'm free. I, I, I start singing like this. I don't, again, I don't care what you guys think. There's a lot of things. We spent a series on James, and we talked one week about taming the tongue. There are a lot of things that are better left unsaid. But thanks, thanks is not one of them. Thank you is not one of them. It's just about time you think you've said thanks enough, say it again. And say it again. And say it again. And throw your hands up again and say, God, I am thankful. Here's what Jesus, Jesus asked. Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? He knew where the other nine were. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Whoa, this is different. He already got sent away once. The first time was a cleansing. <laughs> the second time was a healing. So I'm going to come over here every week. For a cleansing. <laughs> you don't need a cleansing. You do, but you need a healing. You need a movement. You need an action step into faith with God that he will change everything inside of you. He will change your behavior. He'll change how you talk. You'll quit cussing. You'll quit drinking. You'll quit sleeping around. You'll quit going to the clubs because you're so hungry. But what God wants to do in your life, it becomes real. You'll be healed. You'll be healed. Stand up with me real quick. Got to finish this. Thanksgiving is a, is a produce. It's a product of a deep, deep healing. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as our Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in love, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. God doesn't want you to, to operate half full. He doesn't want you to operate in full. He wants you to operate in the overflow. 
We just wrote this song, Souls Worship. It's like it came from. He's the God of the overflow. And some of you are running on fumes. That's not his design for your life. Everybody was given a cup, I think. How many, anybody missing a cup in here? If you're missing a cup, raise your hand. We've got some, some people that will help us here. Listen, let me explain something about this moment. This is Communion Sunday. Pay attention, please. This is serious. We practice open communion here at LifePoint Church. And what that means is you don't have to be a member of this church, but make no mistake about it. I'm going to say it very clearly. You, you better be a member of the body of Christ. We don't take this lightly. I'm not excluding you. The gospel is very inclusive. The only reason it's exclusive is because people exclude themselves. God's saying, I want you. Come here. Let me love you. But we need to fix this today. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to get this right, to give our hearts back to him and say, Lord, I've messed up. I need a healing. I need a cleansing. I need a touch from you. I need you to move me. That's what this moment is about. Right where you're at, would you just peel back the, the top layer of this? is a little white wafer. If you've been around here, you've heard me say this many times. There is almost zero nutritional, physical, physical nutritional value in this. But let me tell you something. There is infinite spiritual nutrition in here. And I don't care if you, you do it with this. I don't care if you do it with actual bread. I told you before, I've done it with cheeses and Kool-Aid. Seriously. Like, that's disrespectful. No, it wasn't because we did it with the right heart. God doesn't care what, what, what you pick as elements. What he cares is if you actually remember what he did or not. That's what this moment is about. Jesus said, as often as you do this, you do it and you remember my death till I come again. Remember, church, what happened. Remember that healing is available. Remember that God wants to move you from hopelessness to hope. That he wants to move you into action. That he wants to cleanse your life. That he wants to take away your sinful life and move you into complete healing. Physically, spiritually, mentally, relationally. Every area that you experience a touch from God. You can find in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus was gathered with his disciples. He was with them. He was trying to explain to them that his death was imminent. He knew why he was here. He had wrestled in the garden with this, and there was no other way, and so he drank the cup. He was explaining to him what it was. He didn't get it, just like we don't get it fully, but we get it enough today. He did it for you. Make it personal. Just say, he did it for me. He did it for me. Let's bow our heads together and get our hearts right. Father, we thank you for this moment. I thank you for what you've done. We believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouth that you are Lord and Savior. Don't leave me. Don't leave me like I am right now. God, change me again. My life is in your hands. My heart is in your hands. Thank you for saving me. Everybody look at that bread. He says with his disciples, he took the bread and he blessed it. This is representative of the body of Christ. I don't believe that it becomes the body of Christ. I believe it's representative of the body of Christ. It's just as powerful. He blessed it. He gave thanks for it. He said, take and eat and remember. Can we take and remember what he did for us today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body. 
dying on the cross for me, Jesus. Thank you for your perfect life. Peel back that aluminum layer. This is grape juice. There's not a lot of juice in this cup. It's representative of the blood of Jesus. There's always enough blood. Had to be blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Healed. Not partially, not the largest percentage of it. We are healed today. After the bread, he took the cup, blessed it, he gave thanks for it. Blood, church. I don't believe it becomes the blood. It's representative of the blood of Jesus. It washes our sins away. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want more information about Life Point Church or want to get in contact with us, please visit www.lpc.is. We hope you have a blessed week.